So the tough question tonight is uh, the role of men and women in the church and in the home. And uh, I, I, I'm just going to take this a step further and tell you, what, and you say, why is this a tough question? Because really, the topic where I want to kind of go to is, is people will say, is it wrong or right according to the Bible to have female pastors? And even me saying that right now, some of you probably come from a background and say, praise God, that's wrong. Some of you being like, I grew up with that. You know, it's just, it's, I know there's a difference. <clears throat> and me growing up in this world, um, it's never really been uh, a, a debated topic. It's, you know, it's always kind of been standard one way. But one thing that I haven't heard growing up is a lot of teaching on it. Uh, there's not a lot of explanation for it of why it is, because uh, if, if you get down to it, it's like if, if, if the gospel needs to get out, God can use anybody. Why would God not use a woman? <clears throat> Does that make men more important than men? And uh, what, what, what do you think the world would say if they heard me teaching this lesson tonight? They would probably call me a what? Uh, well, I was going to say chauvinist, but yeah. like <clears throat> All of the above, it's just like uh, because it's so countercultural. Can I tell you guys, the Bible is countercultural. It is. It is. And that's the thing where we take these topics and we, we just dive into them according to what the Bible says. And, and the reason why I'm going to spend more time talking about the role of a husband and the role of a man more than I am just the role of a pastor, because the one kind of explains the whole explanation of it. And I know this is tough. I remember we'll connect the dots with that. So you get into the one and you're just like, okay, now that just makes sense. So you don't even have to go into deep explanation of it. And I know this is tough. I remember uh, being in a, <clears throat> I wasn't in the wedding. I was part of the wedding. I was helping Pastor Denoff do a wedding. And there was these, uh, this was the former pastor, uh, and I was the assistant. And he was on the stage, and all the bridesmaids were lined up. And they were rehearsing the wedding and going through the vowels and stuff like that. And I'm standing off to the side, and this one girl leans over to him and says, I'll never say those words on any stage anywhere to some man, you know, like, uh, you know, for better, for worse, till death do us part, you know, I, you know, I follow you and all this other stuff. And I'm like, wow, you're going to make a great wife. You know, it's like, <clears throat> I hope that's part of your opening statements as you, you know, when you get together and you start dating. Uh, but because this is controversial, but the thing is, I can also tell you the same way that the world feels this way about so many things, it's not working for them. You know, when it comes to division and divorce and breakups and all these kind of things. So here's where we're going with this. What, does, what are we talking about? So are men to lead their families? Is, is, it, is, is there something about the man that's supposed to be out front? Is, is that biblical? Is that in the Bible? And if so, why is it so complicated? And, and why is there so div much division with that? We'll answer that. Should a wife submit to her husband? It's like, oh, like man alive. And that was... Part of what Pastor Dunoff was talking about when that comment was made. Do, women, do men and women have equal say in the home? It's like, does the Bible value and respect women? And I've had people say that or bring this up. Are you saying that God doesn't respect? I was like, no, I'm not saying that at all. Uh, can women pastor? Can women serve as a deacon? Why or why not? Can, can women lead in the church? What was Paul saying when he said in the passage, women should be quiet in the church? You know, I mean, you, you just read that verse on Sunday morning. We'll do that one Sunday morning. Just that's our, that's going to be our, Matt, do this. Pastor Matt, let's, our worship welcome, get out there and say, I just want to read a word from the Lord. 
Women should be quiet in the church. Let's worship together. Like, like yeah, let's, let's see. And, and you know, what's important about that is the Bible talks about uh, context, context, context. If, don't take something out of context. You know, I, let me give you an illustration of context. Judge not lest ye be judged. Do you know how often people do that? And then they skip all the rest of the passages that are underneath it. I was like, keep reading, keep reading. Because if you do that, it kind of like, you know, uh, you shouldn't be speeding. Judge not lest you be judged. You know, like everybody throws that out there and stuff. So, uh, <clears throat> so God's plan has always been to work through different roles. Let me just lay that out there. God had a plan to work through different roles. Everything started from the beginning with two very different people. And, and today, uh, that is so attacked. Uh, I... I there's so many things I want to say. There's, this covers so many things. And let me tell you guys, sometime after Easter, I want to do uh, a sermon series on origins of just going back to the foundation of things. Because I feel like if the foundations be destroyed, what shall the righteous do? And I think there's a lot of foundational things of, of sin coming into the world and the attack and, and all these kind of basic things that are going on that... Uh, we just need to go back to the beginning and do a reset of well, what is the baseline of what should be, and, and Genesis covers those things. <clears throat> but everything started with Adam and Eve. God started off with a couple before he started off with the home, church, government, parenting, kids. Uh, God's plan from the beginning was to have two people that were both equal in value. Uh, let me state that a thousand times over. Okay, you guys hear me? <laughs> equal in value equal in purpose, both created by God, both loved by God, both valued by God. He took two very different people and made them with very different needs. And I, I know that's challenged today. He took two very different people and made them with very different needs. He made them with very different roles and very different gifts and even their physical body makeup of it. And, and it's, it's fascinating to see how different men and women are physically. And it's, and it's not just the things that everybody talks about when they talk about getting a sex change. You can do that kind of stuff. It doesn't change that. The, uh, the, the, the DNA, the hormones, the, uh, the muscle makeup, the muscle mass, the bone structure, even the way that the, <clears throat> the mind operates and like that. And every man would say amen to that. But I mean, it's, that's a good thing, guys. It's got made them to think and process differently than we do for the glory of God so that when the two came together, they were a force to be reckoned with because we meet each other's needs. And, and God always did this. God was always a God uh, of making opposites and making things different. Think about the world that we live in. We have daytime and nighttime. Have you ever thought, which one is more important? They complement each other, and the Bible references how they complement each other. We have day and night, sun and moon, hot and cold, and God made all of those different kind of things about the seasons, of how the season trans uh, transitions and things like that. He created opposites who work together to create unity and balance. Opposites complement each other, but they weren't meant to compete. And if we would get that in marriage, if we would get that in life, that opposites were meant to complement each other and not compete— if you would learn to value the differences that your spouse has rather than trying to get them to be converted to think like you and act like you, and that's where we get wrong. We're so off on things when we try to do that. 
Uh, so Genesis is the, the, lays this foundation to everything that we have. So it is, it's the beginnings and things. And so uh, God is a God of order. And, and that's why last week when we were talking about the gift of tongues and things like that, it says, when you get to it, he said, bottom line is let everything be done decently in order. And if it's not done decently in order, it's not right. And so God puts things in a systematic order for them to work. And, and I, I think about an illustration of that is uh, creation. God was so limited that he had to take six days to make everything. You guys know that, right? He was like, day three, he was like, whew, I've got to slow down. This is tough. This is, you know what I'm saying? It's, no, it was a matter of God was setting, God was putting things in an order. What was God establishing with six, seven days of creation? Who can tell me? The week. The week. He was establishing time. He was, he was establishing Monday, Tuesday. And then he'd say in the evening and the morning were, was what? Wednesday. The first day. And he was doing that, and he was talking about, and on the seventh day, God did what? Rest. Rest. Every aspect of it was order, order, order. And the fact that he made the water for the plants, and he made the sun for the plants, and he made the plants for, pe- for the animals, and he made the animals for people. He, 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 he brought it all the way down. By the time he was done with it, you've got your meal at Outback. It was all... <laughs> Made in one time. He had the salad and the steak all done. And God made God's an, God of order with that. Right. And God established time and God established rest. And in Genesis, God created Adam and Eve. And if, if this is something, if you've ever gone through my premarital counseling, this is one of those things that I always tackle. So if, if you've ever been through this, you've heard this, this is how I start. If anybody comes to me and asks me to get married, you guys... Uh, I, I, I start with this. I say, bring your Bible, and we're going to start in Genesis, and we're going to go one, two, three through the, 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 those chapters of Genesis. And so this is the first question that I'll ask them. When did God create Adam and Eve? And did God create Adam and Eve at the same time? No. No. So the question is, why did God not create Adam and Eve at the same time? Have you ever thought about that? because of order. And there's so much into it. So a lot of times when we tell the story uh, or we're doing the flannel graph, every, does everybody know what I mean by flannel graph? Are you guys old school enough for that? Okay. So we got to tell Eli. So when we were kids, there was this felt board and, and all these, and felt was just material that would stick to other material. And they had all the characters and they would take the felt board and we would just anticipate what that next felt person was going to go out there. And then they'd put a pot in his hands and then they'd move them and They'd flip the thing over and there'd be some sort of like landscape and all this. It was just fascinating. It was way before PowerPoint. Okay, that's how old I am. <clears throat> but when we tell the story of Adam and Eve, and a lot of times we go straight to, and on the sixth day, God created Adam and Eve. And that is true. But if you go to chapter two, it breaks it down. And it begins to tell the story in great detail. And I want to do that. So chapter one, so God created man in his own image and the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. There's so many things I could say right there and I'm not. And so many things that I want to, I'll save it for another time. But anyways, different on purpose. Uh, And so why did God create man and women at different times in different ways? He was establishing their distinction and their roles. So before God brought in Eve, God literally created Adam and then says, okay, let's do this. And so we have all of these verses 
And I'll see this. It goes from like verse 7 all the way down to verse like 21, 22. That is just God and Adam. So you can see a lot of things that God had intended for the male to know and the male to do before God introduced the female. Let me put it like this. Adam needed to learn to walk with God before he had learned to walk with a woman. And you need to learn to walk with God as a teenager, as a young man, before you're ready to walk with a woman. And a lot of people skip that step and they take God out of it and they're like, I don't know what to do and I don't understand her. And that's because you left God out of it. And there was something to be taught here, something to be learned here. He was establishing the distinction of the roles. So let's break these down. And this isn't like some creative outline. I'm just literally reading it and, and writing it out, okay? And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. So I just want to say, in the Bible, a lot of times when it talks about, and he spoke unto men, it, it's kind of talking about people. Uh, I can say right now, this is talking about male. Okay, this is talking about Adam. It's distinction of who he is. And he even has a name for him. So it's not just people, okay? It wasn't just a mixture of the two. So the question is, what are we learning from this? And the husband's role, the man's role, is to walk with God. And the Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and keep it. It was only God and man. Before Adam was to spend any time with Eve, he spent this time with God, preparing his heart for what God had next. And we draw our strength from God. It's, it's, we learn from God. You know, and, and I could give you so much. If this was a marriage thing, I could go into so many details because even the illustration that we have, that we are the bride of Christ and things, and we, we learn and understand that relationship from him. Your husband should be a reflection of God in your marriage. And the only way that he can be a reflection of God in your marriage is if he is walking with God. And one of the main things that I talk about when, when I do marriage counseling with people and stuff is I start asking them about their walk with God. I'm talking about she doesn't listen to me. And I'm ta- asking, do you listen to God? It starts with you and God. Uh, he, 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 was, he was in husband training is what he was to, to learn how to meet her needs to, to learn how to know his role. And the Lord God took man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and keep it. <clears throat> this is his, he had a role to work and provide. Now guys, I don't care how the world changes around us. This has not changed. Amen. This has not changed. It's, it's the guy's role. And, and, and let me say this as we, I, I, am, I am not saying, uh, let me say what I'm not saying. I'm not saying if somebody has a disability that, that, that they should be, you know, getting out there and doing what he did before. I'm not saying that. I'm not, I'm not saying even in some situations that sometimes the husband and wife works and one makes more than the other, and there's all these debates about this. But I'm saying the Bible says if a man doesn't work, he's worse than an infidel. That's, right. That's not my words. It's God's. Right. Get up, put your boots on, and go sweat. And I say at the same time, Teach your boys to do the same thing, or you're going to raise up a bunch of lazy slobs that won't know how to take care of their spouse one day. And the way that they learn how to take care of their kids is they learn it at home, and they learn it from the dad, where to set the example. Uh, But notice it says, and you say, what does that mean? He said, did you notice he put him in the garden to dress it and keep it? The word dress, dress it literally means to serve it, to till, to work, or to service the ground. See, I thought man didn't have to work until this, the curse came. You know, 
But they still had to work. It, it was, they didn't have the thorns and thistles that were in the garden, but they still had to work. You take a man and let him see the, the benefits and, and the product of what he worked for, whatever, it, it builds somebody up. It's, it builds that, uh, that confidence in things that a lot of people are missing. But he gave him a job and put him to work. And uh, he was working for his food. That's what he was talking about, tilling the ground, working the ground. Uh, this is where his food would come from. This is where his provision for his family would come from. Again, this is before Eve was even there. It was, it was his responsibility. Um, and let me just read the verse in case any of you just thought that I was throwing it out there. But if any man will not provide for his own, and especially those in his own house, he has he, he denied the faith and he is worse than an infidel. It's literally like you, you just have no idea. You, you are not a follower of God when you don't know that this is the basics of what you would do uh, as, as, as a father, as a leader. Um, that is 1 Timothy 5.8. So, it's, yeah, it's in there. Um, uh, next thing, his role number three is to protect. So, it says to put him in the garden to dress it. That's to till the ground, to, to do all those things, but and to keep it. The word keep it means to hedge about, to guard, generally to protect, to attend to. So, there's, a, there's multiple meanings of this that what God was teaching him to do. Uh, one of them was just to be an oversight of what God gave him. And, and if you notice that God gave him dominion over the garden, he, he, he put them in charge of that. He gave them responsibility. And it's important for us to understand responsibility, to take care of what God's given us. I, I, I think it's a primary thing for, for a man in his house to take care of his house. You know, that's just take care of what God's giving you. Be a good steward of what God's giving. That doesn't mean you have to be a handyman, but it means that you should be able to call one. It, it, <laughs> but, and, and do what you can. And... I, I've learned just from life, when I don't know how to do something, my best friend is YouTube, and, and I figure out how to do things. A lot of things I just can't bear to pay somebody to come and do what I could do between me and Home Depot. We'll get it done. Uh, but it's to protect it, to keep it. Uh, so it, it literally means to protect and to oversee, but you think, what are you protecting? Because back then, there wasn't the curse, there wasn't the sin, and all those kind of things. There wasn't even anybody else around. But it's a matter of a lot of the things that we learn in the Bible was God teaching them responsibilities of what would come down the road. Uh, just the, the same illustration of, you know, when he talked about marriage with Adam and Eve, and he said, therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And we get that illustration. Let me ask you in that passage, who was his mom and dad? He didn't have it. That writ wasn't written for Adam and Eve. It was written for us. But the idea is, God says, I'm, I'm, I'm about to bring something into your world, into your garden, into your home. And your job literally is to protect it. That's, what, that's the same word keep as what we talk about to keep your heart or guard your heart. Guard what God's giving you. Stand up for your wife. Stand up for your family. Stand up for what's right. Stand up for it. Let me ask you, did he do that? Think of it. You guys know where I'm going with that, right? She, she turns around and says, have an apple. You know, he did it. It's like, that. anyways, I'm going to start praying. There's so much in here. It makes me want to just take the rest of the thing and do this. Okay, this is where we get into it. Next thing, it was to be the spiritual leader. And the Lord commanded the man. Okay, let me tell you right now, we always talk about God telling Adam and Eve not to eat of the tree of the garden of good and evil. Who did God tell not to eat of the tree of the garden? So, so the question is, how was Eve supposed to know? Adam 
Because Eve definitely knew, because when the Satan came to tempt her, and he says, yea, as God said, and then she turns around and says yes, and she repeats these words that we're about to, uh, about to hear, saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, from the day thou eatest thou shalt surely die. Man has a responsibility to be the spiritual leader. Man has a responsibility to lead his family in what God has said. That is your job. That is your job. And a lot of times we get upset when things are not right in the home. And when I do counseling with people, and I've had men call me out and say, Pastor Tony, I feel like you're pointing me out more than my wife. I said, absolutely all day long. You're the leader. And I'm going to prove to you in a minute why God was doing this. God laid the instructions for man of what is right and what is wrong. He literally was like, this, touch. This, don't touch. You got it, Adam? Touch this, don't touch this. This is your job. And before there was a church, before there was a pastor, before there was anything like that, God was instructing the man from the word of God to the man's heart. And guys, if, if, if you're going to build your family, I challenge you, be here Sunday morning at 9.15 or 11. You should do that. It's a way to grow. But if that's the only spiritual truth being poured into your family, you're not doing your job. You're not doing your job. It is your job to teach right and wrong. It is your job to share that with them. God was telling him, I need you to know this, and I need you to pass this on. And then the next one was uh, his, his role to commit. I'm not going to go deep into this just because uh, for the sake of time, I want to get stay to it. I just want you to see how many things were in there before we get to Eve. That, that's my whole point. And just to say, and God put them same thing. No, he didn't. If he did, it would have been Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, tree, bad tree. Okay, it would have been from the very beginning. He didn't do that. And don't say, it, it, and Eve was not an afterthought. God didn't say, you know, I knew I was forgetting something and, and added her in. And God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took his ribs and closed up his flesh thereof, instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken out of man, he made a woman, he brought her unto the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So here we go. And, and let me explain the, the importance of this. And you think, what did God use to make man? Dust, dirt. So he takes, first of all, he takes this dirt bag and he brings this dirt bag to this woman. Now, what's he make woman out of? Out of the rib. Yeah, in a sense. Yeah, I guess you could say that. It's like, but have you ever thought of how weird it is? How do you explain that to kids? I mean, have you ever thought about why, why would God say, you know, like he spoke the universe and galaxies into existence just by talking. But when it came to creating a woman, he, he takes spare parts from the man. Have you ever thought about how, how weird that is? But everything is on purpose. Every, everything that he was doing. So let's, let's take it of commitment. What, the Bible says, what God has put together, let no man separate or put asunder. And he says, let no man do it. And that was talking about commitment and, and what God had planned of not divorcing and bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh and putting them together. So let's, let's have divorce court, Okay. The only one that they had to do divorce court was who? God. That was it. So let's do it. God's in there. Adam and Eve walk in. I'm tired of her. She, she never picks up the leaves. You know, she's, uh, I, I'm sick of cucumbers. She makes cucumbers every night for dinner. I, I, don't, I don't know what it would be. Anyways, 
So whatever their problems were at this time, whatever, and then says, I don't want this man anymore. We decided to separate. And of course, when you separate, you take back what's yours. So God says, the only way that I could separate you two is I'd have to rip her apart. Literally, what I put together, let no man separate. And it was, it was symbolic from the very beginning of what God's plan was for marriage. You know, and so could God have done it or whatever? And, and I'm not even saying there wasn't a divorce court. Some of you are like flipping through your Bibles right now. It's like, they never had that in the flannel graph. I don't know what's going on. So there, there was none of that. But the idea was in order to separate, you would have had to rip apart what God put together. It, it was in, in what, where's the rib at in the body? What's it do? It protects mainly, one big thing, it protects the heart. The rib is a protector thing of what it does, and it's the closest thing to her heart. I have no Bible for that, so don't look it up. I just, I, I know that's science, and it makes sense. Um, and so, but anyways, uh, there, we can't have relationships today without commitment. Uh, I, I might have told you guys this story before. I had these two people that had been living together for like eight years, and they were not married, and she was offered a job out of state in like North Carolina, and uh, he came in, and he had a job which was not nearly as good as the job she had, and he was like, I don't understand why her desires come above mine, and, and, and he wants to leave, or she wants to leave and go take this job, and I want her to stay here, and, and just because she's going to make more money doesn't make my job less important. And I looked at her and I say, I think you should go to North Carolina. You should just stay here and do your job. And they were like, oh. Like I said, why? What's the deal? You're not married. There's no commitment. It's, it's, that's the whole point is God planned commitment. So where you go, I go. What you fight, I fight. Till death do his part for richer, for poorer, for better, for worse. That's what it is. But a lot of times we want the relationship without the commitment. And it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. And in the world that we live in, they don't understand that. And that's why they're ripped apart because they, they unite their, their, their lives together and then rip it apart. And they always feel messed up because you weren't, it was never meant to be that way. God didn't create it that way. So God was doing something through this of, of making a commitment, okay? And then the accountability. This is where we're building up to, okay? This is it. And, and I'm going to take a little bit longer to get through this because this really lays it out. I know for some of you are thinking, wait a minute, uh, this, what does this have to do with women preachers? Remember, it's the role of the man in the home and the church because which came first. And the whole point of this one, the, the church is made up of the home. And so you can't explain the church without the home. This isn't just a corporation. This is a called out body of believers. So... This is accountability to God. So let me read the verse, okay? For the husband is the head of the wife. This is Ephesians 5.23. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church and the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be unto their own husbands and everything. Now, before you go all crazy on this, God had a plan for this. And, and we can talk about the submitting thing right now. A lot of times, a lot of women have a hard time submitting to their husbands because that list of things we just did, a lot of times they don't do. 
and the man gives the husband or the, the man gives the wife nothing to follow and respect. And that's a problem. It's like, this is what God says I need you to be, and she will follow you as you follow Christ. But then you do your own thing, and half the time the wife is playing husband and dad when you should be stepping up doing it. And then, then we put it out there, remember what God said, submit unto me, and it, the whole thing falls apart. So the Bible is saying the head or the leader is the one out front. Now, I'm going to show you guys as we get into this, this is not Baptist teaching. And I know I say this all the time because I hear the words that people come up to me and say, oh, you're Baptist, so you guys believe this, this, and this. And I'm like, no, I'm Baptist. The Bible teaches this, this, and this. I, I, I never go off that whole thing of everybody. So, yeah, we're Baptist, so this is what we do. No, we stand on the word of God. That's, that's what we do. And that's why we have these convictions and teachings and things like this. Uh, but the, it says right there, it uses the word head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. See the connection there. They're combined in here. In life, there has to be a leader that's held accountable. Okay, and, and let me just go through. This isn't just in the Bible. A nation has a president. A company has a CEO. An army has a general, a ship has a captain, a church has a pastor, a team has a coach, a store has a manager, an airplane has a pilot. We get the point. Yes. There's, I mean, you, you get, see what I'm saying? It's, it, and it's not like, a, a, you know, you get on an airplane and, and, and somebody has to make the call and, and, and grab a holding the steering wheel and call up to them and we have clearance and do this. Nobody walks in there and goes, chauvinist, you know, you, you, you peg, you, you know, like, you think you're all that? You think you're more important? No. If that plane's going down, his soul is just as important as everybody else's soul on there. But there, there's an accountability aspect of it that somebody has to call the shots. Somebody has to be elevated to that position where they, they, they lead the ship or whatever it is. Someone has to lead in order for that to be, someone has to be out front, do you guys know what anything is with two heads? It's a monster. It's anything with two heads is a monster. And so uh, it, it's, not that, it's not that they're any more important, but they are held accountable to lead, guide, and instruct. So uh, this, this is, God's explaining this order. God puts it in this. Uh, it says, but I would have you to know that the head of every man is Christ and the head of every woman is the man and the head of Christ is God. So this is a cool illustration, but it kind of throws in a like, what statement? Did anybody catch it? The head of Christ, the head of Christ is God. And it's like, wait a minute. They're three in one. They're equal. Are they equal? Well, at the beginning of it said, let us make man in our own images. So it's plural. You know, and what is the image of man? It was Jesus. So, and God, and God went walking in the garden, so we know that the, the Trinity is present from the very beginning. The Bible says, and the Lord spoke, and the Spirit of God worked upon the, the waters. So we see the presence of those things. But who is the, oh, let's just do a quiz. Who is the head or the leader of Christ? God. Who is the head of the church? Christ. Who is the head of the wife? Man. Why was it only men saying that? Where was, where was, no, I'm kidding. It was like, the head of Christ is God. So this is true, but you've got to understand they play different roles. They play different roles. Jesus said when he was going about, he said, I must be about my father's business. 
What, what was he here to do? Did you notice that everything that Jesus did, it was constantly pointing. constantly pointing to God? Because he was there to set the example. He was there to be obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, and to fulfill the work of his Father. In the garden, he submitted, and he said, Not my will, but it's your will, not my will. Do you know what he was doing in the garden? He was submitting to the authority of the Father because he had a role to play in the redemption of mankind. Does it make Jesus less than God? You guys see what I'm saying? If we don't understand this from a biblical perspective, then, then we're just like, and that's why we have the, all these arguments like, you're telling me that my husband was like, well, no, stop, stop. What does the Bible say? Why does it say that? And, and we, we'll get into it, and it will make sense as we go. And being found in the fashion of a man, we're talking about Jesus, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. It's, it is so powerful that Jesus took on this role to die for our sins, to submit to the Father. And he didn't make one less important than the other, but he was fulfilling a role that he designed for us to have redemption. Notice the order, okay? Let's get back in here. So, and the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, Eve is not mentioned, okay? But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Then God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helpmeet. After the instructions came the wife. And I love how this, and, and, and again, like I said, this is so packed full of truth and things like this that we could go all day. I love, when I teach young people about this, God knew what Adam needed more than Adam knew what Adam needed. And, and God had to knock him out and say, you have to trust me that I'm going to provide the woman that you need rather than what, can you imagine if God sat down with Adam and said, what are you interested in? What would you like? the mess that he would have been on because, you know, because honestly, we don't know. I didn't know, and I'll tell a little bit of this story. So I'm, I'm starting a new ser sermon series this coming Sunday on uh, This is Love. And so I am teaching through the book of 1 John. Uh, the word love is in the Bible over and over again, but nothing like the book of 1 John. 1 John mentions love 44 times, 44 times. It's powerful. But in the world that doesn't understand love and understand what it looks like, and it's not just a series about defining what love is, it's about living out love and what it actually looks like in the Christian life. <clears throat> I didn't know when I fell in love with Jenny that God was giving me the wife that I would need to be a pastor one day. I had no idea. That was not part of our conversation I was a computer science major. God knew the wife that I needed to fulfill the role that he would give me. And I'm thankful that I followed after God for him to give me what I needed rather than what I wanted. With all the women chasing me at the time, I just like, I was like, God, you're going to have to work this out. It was hard. It was hard. Don't tell her I said that. because. She... <laughs> so here's the question. Adam was to teach Eve, but the question is, who ate of the tree first? Did you say Adam? 
You're just, you're just trying. Adam did. Um, who took the blame for the fall? All right, let's put it like this. Rather than the blame game that we read in chapter 2, who actually took the blame for the fall? 1 Corinthians 15, 21. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of dead. For in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. It's, it's not just a matter of that one guy back at the beginning. Scripture clearly points it out and says it was Adam from the very beginning. Eve is not mentioned. Eve is not mentioned. Now, I mean, we could, in our world today, you know what we would do? We would be like, I'm going to correct that because I can tell you she had to play a part in it. Did she play a part in it? Sure. So the question that I'm going to ask you guys is why is her name not mentioned? God gave the instructions to Adam, and God held Adam responsible for what happened. And that is the principle of this. After they sinned, they ran and hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. And notice what happens, and I'll prove this to you guys. And they heard the voice of God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. And Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, where art thou? Now that is so specific. Was God looking for both of them? Of course. Did God clothe both of them? Did God confront both of them? Absolutely. Who did God call out? The man is accountable to God for the home. If things are not right in the home, do not blame your wife because God will go after you. So for some things, this isn't a matter of God elevating Adam. It's a matter of God calling out Adam. Let, let, me, let me tell you guys, this is a weird thing because it's so different for me now than it was back then. Uh, when I got to the age or my kids got to the age where I could leave them alone, it was a, it was a happy day. It was awesome. When Jordan was, he was about six and I told him, you're not responsible. I'm kidding. He was like, uh, but when we would go on dates and Jordan was now a teenager and I would say to, Ad, I would say to Adam, <laughs> everybody knows where I'm going with this. <laughs> Let the cat out of the bag. Uh, when I would say to Jordan, I would say, all right, you're in, you're in charge. I said, you are not to use the oven. You are not to shove them in the closet. You are not to pick on them. You are not to, you're not to do, you know, these, this is the rules. And then we get back and something would happen. I'd come home and say, Jordan, what happened? He did it. I said, no, I told you you're in charge of this. I held him accountable. Now, let me ask you guys. I have three kids. Which one of them do I love more? No, Morgan. <laughs> do I not make that crystal clear? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Merle, can you delete that off the... Uh... <laughs> I'm kidding. I love my, all, my kids all equally. Just less at certain times. <laughs> um, but the thing is, God went back to the garden to call him. Does everybody know where, where, where I'm going? Can everybody like read between the lines before I ever get into the church? You know what I'm saying? When I get into the church and I start talking about preachers and pastors and who's in charge and who's leaders and all this, you're just like, do you understand that that whole system was established in the church? 
And, and that's where it blows me away. And if you don't start at the beginning and you don't start the groundwork and you don't start, and it's not just a matter of trying to make it, it is all clearly here. This was God's order of accountability. Man is to lead his wife and his family. Man is to answer to God for his family. Man is spiritually to lead and protect his family. The wife is to follow her husband as he follows Christ. Now, who can tell me in that statement when things get really off and then the wife struggles to follow the husband? Then it is a beat my chest. You do as I say. I'm in charge of this, whatever. But there's not the respect there that should be there. The authority and the accountability that God gave to the man was not to make him better than the woman, but as a place of order of, to order of leadership and accountability to God. It was, and in a lot of ways, if you want to say that God was choosing favorites, God was choosing the woman, if you wanted to put it that way. Uh, You know, you can imagine Adam and Eve when they were standing in the garden, they were all naked and all those kind of things. And and they had this fig leaves and they were all embarrassed and stuff. And God walks in there and God says, Adam, you come here. He was probably like, wait, she started it. Why me? (laughs) You guys know what I'm saying? And she says, why, why why are you picking on me? But I guarantee he was over there going, yes, you know, it's like, get him, Jesus, or get him, God, you know, like, what, what this, does this make women less important? Does this make women less valuable? Even the Bible says, who can find a virtuous woman for her price is above rubies? God talks about the value of woman. Um, I, I, I would love to do teaching on what the Bible says about giving honor to the wife for she is the weaker vessel. Has anybody ever done a study on what that talks about with that? The, the weaker vessel in that passage is not at all talking about weaker as she can't handle it. The weaker vessel literally in that is talking about a vase that's worth a million dollars. And the Bible is saying, how would, you, how would you care for that vessel? The weaker vessel is something of great value as if you were given something in, in a, a museum that you said, well, this is worth $5 million. How would you treat that? And that's, that's what the weaker vessel, it, it's, and, and the wording of it can kind of confuse us. But wives, submit to yourselves as your own husbands as unto the Lord. Wow, that's a struggle. Husband, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Then it makes it not a struggle. When the husband's leading the wife and constantly uh, putting himself out there and serving her. And what did Jesus do? Jesus was constantly giving of himself and sacrificing and loving and all the things that he did. And before we read either of those verses, do you know what we read in the Bible? Submitting yourselves, therefore, one to another in the fear of God. So it was never about, I'm in charge, I'm in charge. God said, do you not understand, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, that you guys are a team? But when it comes to leading, somebody has to be out front. And when it comes to decision-making of something that you're going to allow in your home or something you're going to allow your kids to do and you're bad at it, God says somebody has to step up and say, I made a decision. This is what we're going to do. I don't agree with your decision. You know what? I understand that, but I will answer to God for this. That's biblical marriage. And you know what? That same role happens in the church. And it's, it's, it's the, the weight that's on a pastor to know that I, I, I make decisions and we make decisions, but I don't make decisions alone. But at the end of the day, I sometimes have to make decisions. And you say, oh, man, he just got, no, I answer to God. And it doesn't make me more important than anything else. And the same illustration, the, the submitting one to another literally means to be under obedience, to put under, to subdue one another. 
from the very start, I acknowledge that I'm here for you. I, I know that it's not about me. The husband needs to know that I need my wife's input, that she can get. Do you know how many times that I've had to make a decision, but I've made the right decision because my wife helped me make the right decision? I can't, I can't, because she's got discernment and insights and things in ways that I, uh, I don't even have. So uh, in marriage, it takes two. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is why the Bible says, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Amen. This is why when, I, when people come to me and say, will you do our wedding? Uh, I don't say yes or no. Do you know what I say? Can we meet in my office and talk? So you're going to do our wedding? I said, can we meet in my office and talk? That's how I start. Do you know what I'm asking when they meet in my office to talk? Are you safe? Are you safe? And I don't even ask that question. Do you know what I say? Tell me your story. I want to know your story. Because if they're saved, guess what? It's going to be part of their story. And, and, and when I haven't, and, and I've had this happen where she's in love and she's all like, he's the best and all this other stuff. Tell them about how when you were five and you prayed that prayer. It's like, oh, it was like, you know, love you guys. I hope the best, but um, I can't do this. I can't do this. And I've had, I, I, it, it's uncomfortable at times. I can promise you it's uncomfortable at times. And I've had people upset with me over, but I can't do it. Because the thing is, you can't have people that are on two opposite pages and expect Ephesians to be lived out because he's got to, be, he's got to know his role and step up to the plate and do it. And she's got to be willing to follow him as he follows God. 